Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. Hi. <laughs> um, this is your host, Kelsey Loisel of ScreenGeek.net. I am a writer and editor. And joining me today is my co-host. Uh, your dark lord and savior, Mark Salcedo, <laughs> uh, managing editor and uh, writer at ScreenGeek.net. You said .net this time, right? Did I? Kels- I think so. I think I just said Screen Geek. Oh, okay. I don't know what I said. Some, you know what? If you don't know by now, I know. What's your problem? <laughs> Seriously, it's like on the show notes, we announce it. What is your problem? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, all right, all right, Kelsey. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we need to talk about what the show's about. Mm-hmm. So, very quickly. Uh, I don't come from a background of film. I don't really have nostalgia for it. I came into it relatively recently by way of, you know, Mark, who is not a dark lord or savior, despite what he thinks. Um, and you know, he, he's the one who has the nostalgia. I'm the one who tells him that he's full of shit. <laughs> and the movies are full of shit. Yeah. If it, if it need be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll, you know, we bring that to you guys every week. Um, yeah, we do like a recent review and then we find some connection to that to what we call that geriatric cinematic. Uh, and then we also bring you the news and, you know, yeah. Sometimes a deathbed do-over, which we don't have this week because our friend uh, and colleague Simon has a question for us that we're going to answer. Yes, in um, our Simon Says segment, you know, Simon Gruba. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Teacup Bleacher. <laughs> um, Simon, have you bleached your teacups today? He probably has. He probably does it in his sleep. I wouldn't put it past. Well, he doesn't sleep at all. It doesn't look like he sleeps. He probably does it while he's sleepwalking because he's awake. Like, mm. you know, like a zombie. Yeah. So he's kind of asleep, but awake. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mark, let's uh, kick off the news segment. And you have something to say about? Yes. I'm actually pretty thrilled about this news. It dropped today uh, before we started recording. And it is news that sandman it's getting a tv series and what is sandman because i have no idea what sandman is all right all right i'm gonna fanboy the fuck out of this shit right now okay sandman is a comic book that came out through um uh what's it called uh dc's dark horse comics i think it was dark horse Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Vertigo. Comic boys are going to kill me. Vertigo. Vertigo. Sorry, guys. And it's called Sandman. And the story of Sandman, written by Neil Gaiman, who, you know, he's, he's in pop culture. Like He's always in pop culture, but more so now because he has a show, American Gods. Uh, what's that one show? Good Omens is out 
on Amazon right now. Mm. So he, he writes like weird and kooky mystical shit. Yeah, but he, his writing's really good. Uh, I remember reading American Gods years before it came out until a TV show was really good. He writes like kind of like fantasy, but like realistic or sometimes really kind of cool. Like he writes in comics t- a couple of times. Um, in case in point for Sandman, uh, I, I, he did a comic book, I think it's called Neverwhere, which is like an underworld, uh, underworld bet- underneath the city of London that's mm. like very fantasy driven. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, Sandman is getting a TV series on Netflix. Now, if you, if anybody has been following, uh, the Sandman news, uh, Sandman has been trying to get made for like a decade now. And it's a really hard story to uh, visualize for t- for TV or movies because it tells a story of essentially the, the Sandman, the, you know, the guy who puts you to sleep, who gives you the dreams. He's, he's, I think he's called like the king of dreams. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Morpheus. And he gets uh, the comic book starts up with he is like he breaks out of being captured for like, I don't know, maybe like 50 years or something like that. And he has to like get all his stuff back together because he's left his domain uh, out of his out of control. Mm -hmm. So he has to like uh, during this time, if if I remember correctly, he kind of like he kind of like rethinks about his journey, his life, because he's been around since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And he starts thinking that I maybe need to change my ways because if I remember correctly, he he's, he's going to die. He knows he's going to die, so he kind of like make amends to like a bunch of different stuff. And a lot of people don't know that Sandman has a character named Lucifer, who essentially is the devil. Mm-hmm. Something happens where Lucifer is no longer the king of king of hell, and he walks on Earth just as a club owner. Which so is, is that a spinoff off of this? Yeah, comic book? that really? is a spinoff off of Sandman, and Lucifer now is on Netflix. It's a popular TV show. Popular, I don't fucking know why. <laughs> I was on Fox for like I think four seasons. That's, and then, I didn't see it on Netflix. I only yeah. saw it when it was on Fox. Yeah, and I found the detective super fucking irritating. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't like that show. Yeah, it's funny because like Lucifer, the comic book Lucifer is about just the devil mingling with earthlings and trying yeah. to like find a sense because he's a fallen angel he's trying to find sense of all of it and everything but like the show is like a cop procedural which is really weird mm-hmm. yeah so back to where i was going so sandman has been attempted to be made into a movie as recently as i believe uh 2013 um where uh joseph gordon levitt was supposed to direct the feature film for uh warner brothers uh, he left the project because there were like creative differences and the project kind of just died out again. But now it's being turned into a TV show, which is perfect because it's, um, I have them in volumes. So I, it's like 12 volumes, I think, but it is like thick. It is some really good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably have to put it maybe as like my top four best comic I've ever read. Oh, wow. Like, ever. It's really good. It, and, the, and, and they continued it later on just recently um, where it's like, uh, <laughs> sorry, there was a fly in front of me, folks. Um, they've continued the story recently in the form of a prequel of what happened to Morphe- Mor- Mor- Morpheus before mm. he was captured at the beginning of the Sandman comics. And I haven't read those, but I heard those are pretty good. And one of the things that's so attractive about uh, the Sandman is how super duper like 
psychedelic the animation is or the drawing is. Mm. It's like if uh, I don't remember who did the cart who did the artwork, um, but it's like somebody dropped acid and was like, "Cool, I'm gonna start drawing shit." Hmm. So it's pretty cool. I, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm stoked about this. I, it sounds good, but it's so funny because when you were kind of explaining what the story was about, uh, so I was like, oh, it's kind of like the BFG. <laughs> oh, you mean the book, the BFG? Yeah. I've well, ne- the movie too. The I, movie I've came never, out. I didn't read the book or seen the movie. You're fucking missing out. That's great. I heard the movie was whack, Dizzle. I loved it. Okay. I don't, I don't trust your opinion. <laughs> uh, so yeah it's gonna be on netflix uh supposedly it's gonna be very expensive to make and i can understand why um but with the success of good omens and the success success of american gods i think it's finally gonna happen um i just hope it's gonna be really good new game and uh the showrunner is uh let me find where she is oh showrunner is alan alan hinberg uh, he was a, one of the writers on Wonder Woman, uh, ABC's The Catch, and Grey's Anatomy. Uh, he's going to be the showrunner. And then uh, Neil Gaiman and David Goyer are going to be producer. David Goyer is a really good producer and good writer. Director, not so much. But, mm. Yeah, but you put you put Gaiman and Goyer behind it, then like your shit's going to get made. Yeah. Yeah. Very awesome. exciting. You know, it's not exciting. What? <laughs> Uh, Sony Pictures is skipping out on San Diego Comic-Con. I'm excited about that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not exciting news, though. Ah, gotcha. Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't going to San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. But who's going that we were like, oh, that's good. They're going to be there. I think Marvel's going. Yeah, Marvel's, Marvel's going to be there. Uh, no WB, no Sony Pictures. Um, HBO's going to be there stoked on that yeah so basically all the people we care about are going to be there and all the people that we don't really kind of care too much about not going to be there yeah i mean i would i would wish i wish wb was there but they really don't have anything to talk about i I don't like wb (laughs) you don't you did you hate that production company i don't (laughs) know why they made some good films they Come on, anyway. you gotta go through which ones again because no, I, I don't remember. No, I don't. And... I'm not, we're not going there again. <laughs> <laughs> you can look at Wikipedia yourself, Kelsey. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't read. Oh, yeah, you can't. Stop lying. <laughs> Stop lying. Um, so we're gonna be at San Diego Comic Con. Yes, we are. We got our badges. Yes. And our colleague uh, James, James, James Haddon, mm-hmm. uh, writer for Screen Geek as well, will be joining us. Yeah, so he's also from across the pond, and um, you know, we're we're going to be talking about all the stuff that's been going on there. Um, so we'll let you know how it goes with all the people that have been there and all the people who aren't going there. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty hectic. So it's like the fiftieth anniversary of the mm-hmm. con, yeah. so it's going to be super packed. But what we intend to do is we intend to record uh, every day while we're uh, er, at the end of every day uh, while we're there. So most likely you'll get maybe like three recordings, like back to back. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, once you have all your updates then you'll be super jealous. Super. And you'll just stop listening to the show out of uh, jealousy rage. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> we want you to listen to our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was it for that news story. Okay. Um, 
But we have something a little more uh, interesting, kind of weird about um, about Disney, right? Yeah. Um, Disneyland finally opened up Galaxy Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, um, the portion of the park which, as all Star Wars, filled the fuck out. But the weirdest thing is that it's not they they Disney had prepped for this occasion when they were to open it because Star Wars is you know blown up and they thought you know it's gonna be super crowded. They had to like do all these blackouts on annual pass holders. They were they were fearing they were prepping for the worst. They were prepping to be overfilled. But come to find out, um, the park is pretty empty. The park and the Star Wars park was, is pretty empty, and no one, no one, no one really knows why. Um, some people are saying, some people are saying that the Star Wars section is not fully opened. That's that might be the reason because they're opening up in three separate sections. They've only done the first one. They think people may be waiting until the entire Star Wars uh, area will be opened up. Um, some are speculating because um, Disneyland is kind of a local thing. Mm-hmm. And for this type of this magnitude, they think that maybe it's possible. There's like reports coming out that it's possible that um, it's not really opening up or it's not getting crowded because people who fly in from different parts of the world to see it, they rather just wait for the whole park to open up as opposed to just coming from one section. Mm-hmm. Um, they also think it could have been even possible because of the blackouts, because people did not want to go into a crowded ass Star Wars. Uh, they didn't want to go to a crowded theme park. Which kind of leads into our discussion, actually, um, about Star Wars. And is Star Wars fatigue finally settling in? I'm not tired of Star Wars. <laughs> You're not tired? You're just like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> um, well, real quick about that. Mm. I'm, I don't have money for one ticket. So I think the prices have a lot to do with that. So if you black out the annual pass holders who seem to have enough money to renew their shit every year. Yeah. And then you exempt them from mm. coming into the parks so other people can enjoy it. Yeah. That then you're basically it. cutting everything down because nobody can fucking afford to go there. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. They, they, um, I did see a report that like Disneyland was going to kind of reduce prices for a little bit. Where it was like $99 for park hop, park hopper tickets. Which is Disneyland and California. Mm-hmm. Still, nothing has still has not changed the numbers. No, and well, I think they were saying that if you had an annual pass, you could bring a friend for ninety nine. Oh, okay, all right, all right. That's what it was. Yeah, I had an annual pass for like, I think two years, and I I got burnt out on Disneyland within like probably the first four months because I was going there so often. Yeah. Um. But. There, the kind of lead into the fatigue of Star Wars, uh, Mark Hamill himself has said on the Hollywood Reporter's uh, podcast, uh, what's it called? Uh, I forgot, but the, I think it's called the Hollywood Reporter podcast. Um, he said a quote, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them how to run their business, but it is, it, but is there a possibility of Star Wars fatigue? Yeah, I think there is. I've experienced it to a certain degree, but they never listen to my ideas anyway, so who needs them? So even Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, has been like, I think this is, there's fatigue. I don't, I can't get enough of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the fucking franchise, especially where it's going now. But you and I were talking about this earlier. I think it kind of leads into like, um, like fandom, fandom toxicity. 
mm-hmm. might be like that that might be the, that might be the catalyst for the fatigue the crazy tenting out for the for the lines or whatever or the pre-sales mm. being sold out and like that stuff not slowing down for weeks after it releases uh. kind of you know shows a different story about the fatigue because it's clearly everyone wants to see these films yeah um but then there's so much conversation afterwards about um about who's doing what and why did they choose this storyline and yeah and why why is why is uh my jedi a woman and all that shit like the stupidest shit yeah um i i almost would say like this isn't if you're going to talk about fatigue mm. i would say you know since disney's taking care of marvel right now like the in the mcu mm. I watched Avengers Endgame and was really excited about it. And then as soon as I watched it, I did not want to hear or see anything else about it because it's like <laughs> the buildup was so tiring. Um, yeah, I even started getting sick of that buildup. Yeah. You know, to the point where like, I started regressing thinking it's not going to be that good. It can't, it can't live up to the hype. Right. I mean, it did. <laughs> it did, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, there's something recently that happened over in Italy where they have um, they have something called the um, Cinema America over there. Yeah, yeah. And it's an outdoor screening event series. Yeah, and they they showcase um, films from around the world. Yes. Um, and they showed first Reformed over there, and it started causing like violent rioting. Yeah, from like far right fascists were just singling out people with a Cinema America t-shirt. Right. So so my point is you have people over in America who are like why are they choosing, you know, women to be in this role or or black people or this, yeah, know. or black people or this Asian person isn't cute enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about uh what's her name? Something oh, trans. Um I think her name's like Kim Tran or something like that. Yeah. yeah that whole bullying thing like, to get her off like social media. It's like, what the fuck? Um, so it's not only happening in America. You have it happening on different levels, you know, across the world where, you know, it's just people wanting to bring down, bring down the artistry of it because it they fit. have a political agenda. Yeah. And it doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't like fit their narrative. Her name was uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. Uh, who played Rose. Yeah. It doesn't fit their narrative. It's like, this is not how I want a star Wars to end. This is not how I wanted Luke Skywalker to come out. Therefore the movie is now shit. And then that toxicity leads to like a lot of anger and it just bleeds into like, it bleeds into the mainstream audience where people are just like, fuck, I don't want to hear about it anymore because it just reminds of this shit. Like, the, like this thing that happened in Italy, these were like far-right fascists, but it was like at the same time, you can, you can tell these people were just attacking them because they just didn't agree with the film. Yeah. They didn't agree with First Reform, which is, it is a controversy. It's somewhat of a controversy film, but really you're going to beat the shit out of somebody because you didn't like what the director said. Yeah, and they, like, they weren't in the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so... I don't know. Maybe don't go there. What? To, oh, to the yeah. If you don't like what the movie's playing or whatever, don't go. That's the thing. You you say don't go watch the movie or don't go there. 
people hate watch it anyway. They'll go and watch it anyway. They hate watch. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's the term, hate watch. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, you know? Um, yeah. The other thing that I was going to say is that Mark Hamill has every right to be bitter about the fact that he didn't like what happened to his character, you know, and mm. also not reuniting with with uh han solo yeah and all of that but i honestly feel like it sort of fuels that fire yeah yeah i mean he he, like i said he has every right to say hey i just didn't agree i didn't agree with what, what, what my character did and everything but that's just one man's opinion i granted i did want to see that han luke and leia reunion Mm-hmm. But what I still saw, I still love. It was still a great story. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't take anything away from it. You know, there's no such thing as like the perfect film. Your version of the film will never get made. Well, like, if, unless you take the effort to go do it. In real life, do you think people get to reunite like in totality? Like people die or people change or whatever. Mm-hmm. So why would you expect these characters to come back 20 or 30 years later and they're all going, it's all going to happen the way you want it to happen? Like, that's not realistic anyway. But that's the thing. People people live so much in their own bubble and their own fantasy that they can't get, they can't get behind the idea that it doesn't match their narrative, mm. which is sad. It is very sad. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not tired of Star Wars. I'm looking forward to uh, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm looking forward to The Mandalorian TV show. I can't wait for that fucking Star Wars game to come out. Oh, my God. Star Wars to death, but... Star Wars fans are the worst, <laughs> which I'm not the only one who says that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I did not grow up a fan, obviously, and I'm a new fan and I get tired of it. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Ow. Um, so Star Wars aside, uh-huh. you know, obviously we want to try this, you know. Everyone wants to try this because <laughs> you're yes. try hitting your I'm fist on the it. table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm starting to mumble, okay? You know, so <laughs> I had to punch the table, whatever. <laughs> uh, everyone wants to try Star Wars, you uh, know, even if they hate it, uh, or you know, not try other things that suck. Uh, and so you're gonna tell us actually right now. What to try, try what this. What to try and, and what, what not, not to, to try. try. You know, and they're try this, not that. And <laughs> I, yet again, my life is too busy and I don't have anything for yeah. you guys. So this is this is Mark's segment. Try <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I did check out a couple of things. Um, uh, I checked out Fleabag. Uh, it's an Amazon, Amazon Prime video uh, release. It's been on for since 2016. It's two seasons. Uh, created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And... The story is about it's a it's actually a adaptation of a play and it's just a woman just coping life in London and like coming in terms with the tragedy that she's dealt with. Um, I absolutely love this show. It's like a it's a British comedy. It's kind of raunchy, but it's realistic raunchy. Mm-hmm. You know, shit that you think but you can't really verbalize. Um. And I actually did watch the first episode. What did you think about it? I know you said you were kind of... So this is when I was in that weird mood and I ended up settling on Euphoria and then that was the end of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Fully what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to watch it over, that first episode over again. Okay. 
Um, first of all, the series is over. Yeah, two seasons. And like people were wondering if they're going to come back with a third season. And um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was like, nah, <laughs> I'm, done. I'm done with this character. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's also the creator of one of our favorite shows, Killing Eve. Oh, yes. Yes. That, that, I mean, that's probably more of a fun show anyway to yeah. write for. Yeah. Um, what I thought about it was like, I just felt like I was following somebody. Like, following them. Like, she did some really interesting things in that first episode. Mm-hmm. She, like, clearly crossed boundaries that she shouldn't have crossed, which made it really interesting. Yeah. Like, you know... It's not really giving much away, but she's she goes to visit her father, who she has a, a weird relationship with, and mm. not weird like haha weird, but weird like you can tell like it's strained. Yeah, it's strained. Like they almost they are, don't talk. Yeah, like they're um, like they're almost like strangers in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he tells her you know, she's asking for something. Mm. I don't remember what it was, but. She ends up coming inside. He tells her not to go upstairs. So he leaves the room and she immediately goes upstairs. <laughs> he goes against what he wants exactly. her to do. And yeah. then like she, she tries making small talk with his wife who's like her age and pregnant. No, she, no, no. She wasn't pregnant? No, no. No, no, she wasn't pregnant. No, you tell, no the, wife is, the, wife is their, the wife is at one point their godmother. Um, and that's not his wife. That's, that's the dad's girlfriend. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, and she's not pregnant. She's like old. Well, she's not really old, but she's not pregnant. She, I, Whoever was upstairs painting was not old. Yeah, that that's, uh, what's her name? Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Yeah. And so she tries making small talk, and she grabs this statue and is like, oh, this is a really cool statue. Can I have it? Yeah, she's like, she's no. She's like, no, that's really expensive. <laughs> and then it comes up missing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but like that dialogue between them and two, you can tell like the, the godmother uh, fakes being happy. Like she's always like a Susie. Stu- stu- enthusiastic mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah definitely yeah no no you're not gonna take that with a big ass smile you're not gonna take that at all nah she'll she's one of those that's so good at like no one will ever say she's mean but she'll say just the right thing to be under the radar yeah like, exactly she's she'll cut you and no one else will know that she's doing it right in front of their face exactly um yeah i i i enjoyed the, sh- the shit out of the show that was hilarious um like I said, I'm a little pissed off that that was the end of the show because it, it, it did end perfectly, but damn, I still want to like see her go on. Um, Phoebe Waller has said that she she says for now she's done with the um, she's done with the character, but she wouldn't mind going back to it when the character's like in her fifties to see what she has to say about uh, life. Mm. So I don't know, it might come back. Uh, if not, totally fine with it. There's other stuff to watch. Yes, like. Oh, like this show that I am like 15 years behind. <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's this anime called uh, Neon Genesis Evangelina. Of Evangelion. E- Evangelion. I know. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> All right. So it came out in 95. Okay. I used to be really into anime, but this one I completely missed out on. Um, I remember seeing like uh uh arts um what's it called like paintings of it and fan art and stuff like that and you know uh people talking about this anime so i finally picked it up well it was on netflix finally decided to give it a watch uh it's created by uh hadia hadiaki eno eno how you say that kelsey you were my 
interpreter. Oh, it's Asian. I don't know. Oh my god. Uh, hid- hidaki ano. There you go. Hidaki ano. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys, for anybody who doesn't know what uh, the show is about, so a teenage boy finds himself recruited as a member of an elite team to pilot by his father. Okay, so this thing has like mechs, but these things are like mechs w- that are like alive. It's weird because I'm only like six episodes in. So it's like Avatar. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm six. I'm six episodes in, and it's getting it's getting pretty interesting because it turns. It seems like it would start off as like a typical like maybe like a Gundam kind of thing, and it's turning something more because the kid has is starting to develop a relationship with like a, a fellow pilot. There's like these creatures that come out to like destroy the city and they're called angels for some reason. And these pilots who's the teenage boy and the teenage girl. And there's another pilot that I've seen pictures of, but I've never, I haven't gone to that part yet. And they control these robots slash Kaiju. There you go. Like these mech slash Kaiju creatures. And they have to defend the city, but like they have to be like neurally connected to them, like almost like a Pacific Rim. But it's like an intense type of connection where it seems like it's fucking with their heads mm-hmm. and they don't really know why. And for some reason, these kids are like have been trained to pilot this shit. Like they can't have anybody just pilot these 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 machines, these creatures. Otherwise, the creature goes berserk and starts destroying everything. Mm hmm. So it was getting, it's like, it's getting interesting. There are a lot of slow parts of it, but it's, that's for like character development. Um, that works really well. Uh, but like I said, I'm like six episodes in, there's like 26 episodes. Um, from what I heard the last episode or whatever final, uh, presentation they had, which I think they did two animated movies after supposedly like the ending's like really fucked up. Mm -hmm. And this isn't, they're in an era in the, like the mid to late nineties where animes like these end it pretty fucked up yeah which i'm just like oh i don't want to i don't want to deal with that <laughs> i want a happy ending i'm a fan of the not happy ending yeah you love misery i do i feel like not like most things in life don't end happily so like why write something that way if it's not a natural because it's like something we we want to escape reality to find somewhere happy that's what drugs are for <sighs> or drinking Oh yeah, that's better. <laughs> Let me drink to be happy. Yeah, that's. I'm just I, kidding. Don't <laughs> drink of. and drive. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Don't drink and drive, folks. Um, but yeah, it's a cool anime. It, like I said, it's barely jumped on Netflix. If you haven't got into it, I would recommend you check it out. Um, this actually might be this actually might be the like the the first step in me really getting back into anime because I felt I've fallen out of the whole genre for years i've only picked up like a little bit here and there mm-hmm. or something's really worthy of me watching like one punch man or my hero academia or um uh, attack uh, on titan or something like that there was that one that you were watching with uh your daughter which one was watching with my daughter I on remember. netflix i don't remember it now it Volta? just ended yeah Voltron. isn't that one considered an anime no that's a dreamworks production no. Well, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> Get your shit straight. <laughs> Who's the professional? No, I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's what, that's what I've been uh, checking out. All right. Well, I will not go check those out. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, for our recent review, um, we actually are... There hasn't been a whole lot out recently. 
So um, we decided that we are going to check out something called Yesterday. If it has happened by now, it's like a miracle. Miracles happen. What happened? Oh. Electricity flicked off all over the world. Cheese! <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. Ellie bought you a present. All my troubles seem wow. so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? Okay. Um. That was a trailer for yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. <laughs> All right, sorry. I actually on. really like that song. Um, and we'll get into whether we like the film or not in a minute. <laughs> uh, but it's 2019, um, directed by Danny Boyle. Mm-hmm. I think you've shown me one of his films uh, before. Train Spotting, yeah. Train Spotting. Yeah. That was it? Yeah, I haven't showed you any of his other stuff. I should show you, like, Slumdog and uh, 127 an Hours, I think it's called. Okay. Well, train spotting was. I was on the fence about that one. <laughs> it, it, it was I good, but then movie. there were parts of it that it just started to kind of fall apart for me, and I started um, to like want to just go to sleep. Um, uh, yeah, I. Oh no! Didn't we go see that Steve Jobs movie? Oh yeah, that, that was is, a great movie. Yeah, that's a Danny Boyle film. There you go. You've seen what Twenty Eight Days Later, haven't you? The zombie film? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so you're somewhat familiar. With, oh, I'm sorry. So yesterday. Give me, give me, give me some info on this. Yes. Um, so directed by Danny Boyle, written by Richard Curtis. Um, he's also doing the upcoming live action Little Mermaid, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, wrote on Doctor Who uh, for Matt Smith, mm-hmm. which I did not know. And Matt Smith, I know a lot of people didn't like him, but he was my favorite Doctor. Yeah, he's like your Doctor, right? He's he, the one that got you into the Doctor Who thing. No, uh, Eccleston. <sighs> You know, mm. um, look, my ex-husband was overseas, right? Uh, and they have all these bootleg copies of every fucking thing over <laughs> there. And he brought it home with him, and that's how I got... Into Doctor Who? Into Doctor Who. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, the synopsis is, a struggling musician realizes he's the only person on Earth who can remember the Beatles after waking up in an alternate timeline where they never existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a problem with that synopsis. How so? Because that's not true. Mm. That's not true. Um, he he's not the only one who's who remembers the Beatles. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> Fucking Christ! <laughs> that's not a spoiler. Yeah, it is. That's like the whole thing they're driving into. No, it's not. Jesus shit! <laughs> I'm not going to edit that out. Fuck it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's not that important of a movie anyway. Damn. Okay. Um, so it stars uh, Himesh Patel Jack, uh, as Jack Malik, uh, Lily James as Ellie Appleton, Joel Fry as Rocky, Ed Sheeran as Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, Kate McKinnon as Deborah Hammer, Justin Edwards as Leo, Russian Stranger. And um, Sarah Lancashire? Yeah, sure. What? Anyway, nothing, nothing. Okay. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of the film? <sighs> All right. I love Danny Boyle's, Danny Boyle's films. 
I'm I consider him one of like the best directors working today. Um, his style of filmmaking is very phonetic, um, and he doesn't stay in one genre. He'll do horror, he'll do sci-fi, he'll do a drama, he'll do a comedy. He just goes all over the place, right? He likes to explore his options. But when you see when you see a Danny Boyle film, you know it's a Danny Boyle film, mm-hmm. and it's a Beatles film. It's about the Beatles. Well, it's there's a Beatles. It's it's a reference of the Beatles songs. I didn't really like this film. I was so pissed off that I didn't. I'm so pissed off I didn't like it because it wasn't as good as I thought it was gonna be. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's like some of the act. Some of the acting is good, like the chemistry between um, uh, Patel and James. Mm. The, the like chemistry between them. I really dug that, but. Every time, like, they were not in a scene together, everything just kind of started falling apart, like, almost to, like, an annoying level. Yeah, I can see where you're talking, what you're saying about that. Mm. Um, it was like they were the story. And to be honest, when, you know, especially with that synopsis, you kind of think it's going to be more about the Beatles and, like... And what effect they have on the... What effect they would have had on the world or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but instead, you kind of get this quasi love story slash weird references of like certain like inside Beetle information that, that no one would know. Just like all of a sudden, some product or other doesn't exist. Yeah, I was a little confused on that. I'm sure I can just look it up and it'll pop up. But you know, I I'm not a big Beatles uh, historian. Mm-hmm. I just love their music. So a lot of some of the references that they made that was really a deep cut, like a cigarette reference. Mm. I was just like, I don't get that. I don't understand that cigarette reference. Yeah. It was really weird. Well, for what it's worth, I mean, you told me that Coca-Cola was something that they you you said that they're saying they made popular. I think they did from my... I, but see, I'm but like, it's like we're speculating because we don't actually know. So yeah. is this like a movie for... Beatles fans who are huge fans. I mean, because we walked in and it was full of like older white, white people. people. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. It wasn't anyone our age. And it was funny because if we were trying to pick our seats mm-hmm. when we we're buying the tickets and they're like, oh, these seats are open. You could choose one of these. And I'm like, wow, there's that many people in the theater. And then we looked and it was like, we're like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, okay. We got it. <laughs> and like, you know, and we're, 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 we're like, I think those older people had maybe like, at least 30 years on us but we listen to the beatles i mean the beatles is my daughter listens to the beatles now so i guess if you're not a hardcore beatle fan i mean this is really ain't for you maybe i don't know and honestly we don't know if it is for you even if you were because <laughs> i couldn't get a read on the audience coming out either they were pretty quiet so yeah, i know um so yeah um i think we should do the spoiler bumper right now and we'll um get into some more of the nitty-gritty okay so Yes. <laughs> Let me really dig into that synopsis. Okay, yes, please, please. <laughs> I feel so stupid right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. 
Um, all right. That synopsis is saying that he is the only person who remembers the Beatles. Mm-hmm. He is not the only person. And there's something that's really weird about this for me. Because there's like two people in the whole world who remembers the Beatles. Well, three, including him and including the two other people. It's like three in total, supposedly. Yeah. Um, and they like start stalking him or whatever. Yeah, which is really weird. And he's like, oh my God, they're going to like tell everybody and he's going to be in so much trouble. Mm. And they finally talk to him and he finally is like, I'm just going to fucking talk to them. They're like, oh, thank you for bringing us the music. Like, yeah, we missed it. Yeah, we yeah we missed the Beatles because apparently he's not the only one who remembers the Beatles, but his his memory of the Beatles apparently is way better than theirs. <laughs> yeah, well he's a a musician. Yeah. So probably his memory of it because he did a lot of their music. I think at shows anyway. Yeah, that's probably it, yeah. Um, Any person picking up a guitar will do like a Beatles song. Right. So then he goes and finds. Well, let's not go in there. Let's because I gotta, I gotta. Let's not go there yet. Let's just, uh, okay. let's let's go back because that part I'm gonna. Mm, I need <laughs> to talk about that part. Okay, so to kind of go back, like this dude, um, uh, Patel. You know, he's like this musician who hasn't got his who hasn't got his big calling, and then he like he's like I'm done. I'm not gonna do this anymore. And his friend, um, Lily, who's uh, played by Lily James, she. He's just like, no, no, like, don't quit. But he decides to, he gets hit by a bus. Everybody, all the lights go out, which that scene, how they did it was kind of cool. Because when, when they were revving up to it, mm-hmm. you hear this weird kind of sound, like almost like an engine going. Mm-hmm. That's the sound from Eleanor Rigby, which I was like totally behind. And then like, he and went. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Like I said, you got to like really like pay attention to shit like that. Or, or you might miss it. Or if you're not really into beetle knowledge you'll forget or you won't catch it at all so he gets hit by the bus he wakes up the next day apparently everybody's they don't know who the fucking beatles are so he goes ahead and he's like i'm gonna write all these beatles songs i was with it at the beginning because i like how he was trying to remember the beatles lyrics because he couldn't find them anywhere Mm -hmm. and he was like having a really dig in deep and some of the stuff he actually got wrong Mm-hmm. Some of the lyrics, he was like, fuck, like he was trying to figure out the lyrics for Eleanor Rigby and he had to keep like re-saying it over and over to get what the fuck they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, my, But it was, that part I was digging. The only thing that I had a real big problem with that was they didn't go any further because he was trying to like make money with these Beatles songs and nobody was listening to him because, you know, he's not the Beatles. Right. But they didn't go into it any further. They did was like, oh, he went to a, cute, a couple of gigs. Nobody's listening. Oh, and somebody actually was like, oh, I'm going to record this music for you. Boop, that's it. He's famous. Yeah. It wasn't like him st- really struggling to, be, to make these songs popular, you know. Not just that, mm. but first of all, I like the lead up to him realizing that no one knew who the Beatles were. Because he would make all these references and, every, and then people were being weird about it. Uh, people who should know who the Beatles were and they didn't just drop it right away. Yeah. So that was good. Um, but what I didn't really like was um, he, not only did he not really struggle at all, but it was like, is he a good artist or isn't he? 
because he even kind of played with the idea that his own music wasn't being picked up because he was a shitty artist. Mm -hmm. And then he he was doing that whole what was me thing where he was like, oh, you know, even though I'm doing the Beatles music, nobody wants me. So I must just be a bad artist. Yeah. So then like, yeah, like, what is it? Is he a bad artist or is he like he's not selling it or like yeah it was weird because they i that's the thing i was just thinking like oh if they explore that that is dope no he just they just dropped the ball on that completely they didn't even explain what was that that happened yeah i remember i remember telling you talk we were talking about this after we saw the movie and i remember that was my biggest gripe they didn't really explain why it happened Mm -hmm. and normally i'm a type of person who's just like Oh, like let I want to keep the mystery going, or I want to think I want to come up with my own conclusion. This one they gave like no hints, no nothing, but I was so curious about it that there was no explaining. There was nothing to even have your imagination go wild on. Yeah, it was just like this thing happened, and Mm. you're like, how? Like what? Like there's (laughs) no like flashbacks, no like weird. Like a solar flare or some yeah. shit like that, or like the Earth's axis was tilted a certain way or some shit. It's like no, nobody knows, nobody knows the Beatles no more. Yeah, at all. <laughs> um, also, the crux of the the movie is that him and his friend from middle school, who ends up being his first manager, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually like his love interest, right? And- so in in the in the movie, her name is Ellie. Mm-hmm. She. Um, He's saying in a a talent contest or whatever, a yeah, talent for show school, for his yeah. school, he's saying uh, Wonderwall by Oasis. Yeah. So, all right. But Oasis doesn't exist either. Like, so they kind of picked and, and ch- like chose. Yeah, what artists would exist and what artists wouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, because Oasis was like a, Oasis was, the, the British band Oasis was a, influenced by the beatles that's not the only band which is funny because ed sheridan ed sheridan has said ed sheeran ed sheeran, ed sheeran <laughs> i'm sorry you really don't like him i don't oh my god we'll get into that too <laughs> ed sheeran has said in interviews that his songs are inspired by the beatles yet he exists in this world where the beatles don't exist they even make a reference to coldplay coldplay mm. was heavily influenced by the beatles coldplay exists so right. yeah, they're picking and choosing who and who doesn't exist. And it's like at random. It's not, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. And then like, okay, they didn't, we, we were talking about how the Beatles had influenced the world and how the Beatles don't exist. So they don't really go into the ramifications of what, how it affects the entire world. Like we wouldn't have had uh, Imagine, John, John Lennon's Imagine. Mm-hmm. Which is like uh, seen as a very peaceful song. People absolutely love that song. Mm-hmm. It inspired creativity. It inspired other stuff from happening. It doesn't inspire. It inspired a perfect circle. <laughs> <laughs> that a perfect circle? Yeah. Shut up. What? Wait. They did. They uh, did a cover, and that was like one of my favorite songs of theirs. Really? Yeah. I need to listen to a perfect circle too. Yeah. So then, okay. All right. All right. A Perfect Circle. Okay. I mean, they don't talk about a Perfect Circle. Perfect Circle is a band that's fronted by James Maynard, who is the lead singer of Tool, one of the most influential bands in the 90s. Therefore, Tool wouldn't exist. Like, they don't explore how the Beatles' absence fucks up the world. Yeah. 
I mean, but that gives like the Beatles like this huge, like, okay, legendary status and shit. So then the 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 crux of the movie then isn't exactly the Beatles. It's this love story that he has going on with this girl that's his best friend that Mm. he had absolutely no interest in or whatever yeah because how she says he put her in the wrong column i thought that was kind of cute i love what she said Mm -hmm. i love how she worded that yeah yeah that's what i don't love the cat and mouse chase because like i'm used to you know people are attracted to each other and they either are at odds because they don't know what to do about it or one's kind of running away. Yeah. Um, but it's like he actually fucks up way too many times for her to want to come back to him. And then all of a sudden she wants to be like, she's, she like says he has no chance anymore. And, and then he does. Mm hmm. Um, it doesn't make any sense how, how that story goes because it's like he fucks up one time by not realizing, like recognizing she clearly loves the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> like you said, that love the loves the fuck out of this guy. Yeah, and like, and I already have a soft spot for that kind of story. Mm. Um, but then he fucks up again because he's like, wait, you do have feelings for me, oh, but that then was so dumb. Well, well, here's the thing. It still isn't immediately clear whether he has feelings for her back. To mm. me, it was just kind of like this weird, like, he was like, I don't know what to do with this information. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I love you, too. I'm so sorry. Nothing like that. It was just kind of like, wait. I, f- I feel that his friend Rocky, who I, I did like that character. That dude was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like that character Rocky had to push him to be like, yeah, you should be in love with this girl. Yeah, it, I don't know. I didn't actually like that character that much. Oh, I thought he was funny. I thought he was irritating. Um, Whatever. I'm right, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he, like, fucks up again because that's when she made her speech about, you know, because he always, the way he would come up with the music that he was trying to remember mm. was he would write on Post-it notes. And yeah. he had, like, you know, one column would be, like, love Love songs. Love songs. And other another one would be like I don't know, other just other Polit- yeah, stuff. political songs. He would he would try to categorize what uh area a Beatles song would cover. One would be like love song, one would be like summer songs, one would be like actually literally there's one I can't remember what song it is. He literally calls one of their songs summer song. No, that's his song. He wrote a song called uh Summer Song? Yeah, summer song. So did he ever play? Because I see, I saw. He did. He did play it. And remember, they he was making songs or whatever, uh, and um, they were trying to decide what was going to be on the oh, album. Oh, that's one. Oh yeah, she was just like, I don't like. She's yeah. like, I don't know. I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, like, what Kate was McKenna. that one? Yeah, Kate McKenna did not like. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay, this goes into the point of like, what the fuck they were trying to do. She, Kate McKenna, who plays his manager, he like makes a, he makes a song his his own. She says she doesn't like it, but instead of exploring that maybe he's not a good artist on his own, they just make that joke and that's it. Yeah. But that's it. Like, there's so many avenues and so many ways they could have explored this whole fucking idea of no Beatles existing. Exactly. Um, and then he goes on this weird trip. What do you mean? Which trip? To Penny Lane. And- oh, because he's trying to get the inspiration for... 
Penny Lane. But there's Illinois. nothing inspiring about it. <laughs> it's just I'm here. Yeah. Now what? I know. Like I'm at Penny Lane, so I should figure out how to how to sing Penny Lane now. There's Eleanor Rigby's uh, tombstone. I should know how to sing Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Which was like dumb. <laughs> it was really dumb. It uh, was really fucking dumb. And I think it was dumb how they were like, "Oh, you're you're ugly. He's not. I think he's cute." He could have picked up some weights. Huh? He could have picked up some weights. He looked a little too like oh, messy. But I'm I'm the one who doesn't really like the muscular bods. I'm though. not saying he need a need a muscular bod. I'm saying like, dude, like eat a protein bar. <laughs> Look, he uh, was like, what nationality is he? Indian? I would uh, le- I would have to guess. Uh, he is English. <laughs> Um, he might be. I think he might be Pakistanian. Uh, it doesn't really say in his bio right now, but I mean, it says he's born but, in England. But but people in that region, like genetically mm-hmm. from that region, tend to have rounder faces anyway. Like, yeah, not that's everybody true. does, but you know. So I didn't see him as like. I just thought that he had really big, expressive eyes and a nice voice, and like he cleaned up pretty well. Yeah, I'll give like you that. Like, he wasn't ugly. Like, and they really tr- fucking hit that home. Like, like, hit, um, what's her name? Um, Whoa. Kate McKinnon's shit. character, Deb- uh, Deborah Hammer, mm-hmm. was like really ragging on him being ugly. And I thought that it just went way overboard. I thought that was funny. Before we get off of Patel, he's actually uh, Southeast. He's, his parents are South Asian from Africa. Uh, his mother's from Zimbabwe and his father's from Kenya. Really? Yeah, I'm just like, oh shit, okay. So he's like an amalgamation of like African and Kenya. Like, wow, okay. Like that. Like he's not South adopted? Asian. No, it says his parents, uh, South Asians from Africa with his mother from Zimbabwe and his father from Kenya. Hmm. I, I, okay. whoa, okay. I'm, I, that's caught me off guard. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let's talk about your disdain for, uh, or your disgust for uh, Kate McKenna. I thought she was Chelsea Handler. <laughs> I was like, yeah, when does Chelsea Handler like fucking do acting? Yeah, I remember like we were walking out of th- walking out of theater. Like, was that Chelsea Handler? I was like, no, that's Kate McKenna. Like, holy shit! I like Kate McKenna's comedy because she does she does deadpan humor very well. I didn't really have a problem with her performance. Mm-hmm. I just thought that her character was maybe like a dig at Americans. And yeah, I don't probably. and I don't mean it like like I'm not real sensitive to that. I don't really care, mm-hmm. but it was kind of wearing on me because she was irritating like maybe that's what they were trying to do cuz she was she she's his new she was um the character's new manager and she was like really mean. And maybe they were just trying to make a commentary on that like american um managers or fucking assholes or some shit right so like she could have made her comments about his looks saying like maybe how unkempt he is or yeah um how you know he could clean up a better you know something Mm -hmm. but instead it was he was ugly like you could be unkempt or you could pick up a few weights and not be ugly. Like that's true. 
I just thought it was she went overboard in almost every single situation. Mm-hmm. And then there were times where she'd be walking around and I would kind of think of um that lead witch from like Hocus Pocus. How they she was always like how she would be like hunched over and walking around all weird. Bette Miller's character? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Gotcha. It was weird. She was like constantly on a witch hunt. Like she smelled <laughs> something in the air, you know, yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, her shit talking would, would go a little too far. Um, one person I did not, another person I didn't like in the show, I'm sorry, one person, one main person I did not like in the movie is Ed Sheridan? Sheridan? Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Okay. I've heard of Ed Sheeran. I've seen pictures of him. I have never heard any of his music. The only time I've ever seen him perform at anything was like in Game of Thrones, which I didn't know he was in it until someone pointed it out. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time watching. I've only heard one thing I've heard consistently about him is that people don't fucking like him. And I would have to agree because I did not. I wanted to punch him in his face. first. He has that punchable face. Mm-hmm. It looks like someone already punched him in the face. Yeah, repeatedly. And you told me that Ed Sheeran, um, his music, it's a lo- it's about like girls that did him wrong, right? Yeah, it's either like... So some of the music that put him on the map was uh, about how like this woman that he was in love with or whatever did him wrong. and But then he also has other music too off that same album that's like, oh, I'm so in love with you and it's all romantic and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't really. He was kind of a, he was he was a dick in some scenes, and I guess he was trying to be not a dick, but it seemed like he came off more dickish. Like he was trying, like if he's got like some alternate alternative motive. He had like an ego. Like, yeah, but oh, it yeah, was he had like an ego in that fucking movie. But it was like um, a watered down ego. It was a humble ego. Yeah, like <laughs> he was like, I'm not directly attacking you, but you know. Let's see who can write a song better. Yeah, that part was stupid. Like, oh, we're gonna go in separate rooms. Ten minutes. We have to write this. We have to write a song, and whoever songs better wins. Right. What the fuck? So then he does his song, and everyone loves it. And then you know, the um, Hamish Patel, uh, which is Jack Malik, yeah, writes his song, which isn't his song. It's a Beatles song. Yeah. And um. I forgot which song. I think it's like Winding Road or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And he, everyone loves his song more. And then Ed Sheeran's like, well, I guess you're better than me. And that's, you know, I've never come across anyone better than me. But someone said it would happen one day. And then he just walks off like. <laughs> like, Jesus. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. We're, we're, we're doing that. Thanks. <laughs> um, one thing I, I got so frustrated at this one particular part because I'm about to fucking just rage this shit out right now. So, the guy, um, Jack Malik, Patel's character, he's got all the success. He doesn't know what to do with it. He starts, like, he doesn't know where to go with this because he, f- he feels like he's not his own person anymore, which is fucked up because they don't, exp- they don't go into, they don't really showcase that until, until the scene I'm about to talk about. So then he has to find some guidance, okay? And there's been two people that has been following him, which Kelsey had uh, called them uh, Russian Stranger and Liverpool Stranger, I think. They're following him. He, they're giving hints that they might know who the Beatles are, or they might. One be of them's to- just carrying around a random yellow submarine from Yellow Submarine. Mm-hmm. I, well, I know that. <laughs> yeah. I know, but like in the story, it's random because yeah. like 
Yeah, like they're they're in they're in an area where like the press are at. They're in, they're in the the press junket. These two random people are in a press junket, and they're like, one's holding the yellow submarine, the other one says something. I forgot what it was. Which is like, how do these people get in this fucking press junket? That makes no fucking sense. Yeah, so they're in the press junket, but then also like it's like the creator of the movie couldn't come up with anything more original than like being blatantly obvious that these yes. people like there's no mystery there it's just yellow submarine oh they know like yeah. so like he finally like they finally catch up with him and they talk to him and they pretty much say we remember the beatles we're just glad that you remember the beatles and you're actually doing something with that knowledge because they couldn't sing they couldn't perform this guy before so they pretty much said thank you and he was just like saying like i feel like i'm not in control of this anymore this is bigger than me which i was starting to like because you know the beatles was four people so they could like spread this fame between the four of them and not take the bunt of it mm-hmm. and he had to take the bunt of it so they give him this they give him this piece of paper and they're like go here he'll help this person they don't say what it is he goes along he drives he has his driver take him out to like the middle somewhere in london it's like yeah on the beach like a private beach yeah he knocks on the door the door opens and it's john lennon not the real John Lennon. That dude's been dead for like 30 years. But it's a guy who's supposed to be John Lennon if he was not assassinated. Yeah. This is when I almost threw my hands and I was like, what the fuck? You actually audibly were like, no fucking way or some shit. Like yeah. you, you audibly were not happy about this. Yeah. Because like at one point I was like kind of with it. But at the same time I was like, that's a fucking cheap shot, man. Like, why are you going to do that? And... He like the Malik uh, Jack like talks to this talks to John um, John Lennon and asks him for his advice and John Lennon is giving this John Lennon character is giving advice inspirational advice about how you have to chase your love you have to chase for this blah 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 and he starts asking him like are you happy where you're at John Lennon's like yeah man I fought for what I want to fight fight for I got what I want to get yeah, fought just, for my wife fought for you know yeah all that stuff and then like he like leaves and like that's it he gets inspiration from John Lennon and I just took it as a cheap shot I was just like why should they bring John Lennon I, I would have been more I understand why they, don't, they chose John Lennon because he's the one of the most recognizable face in the group but I kind of know the history of John Lennon and how much of a piece of shit he is mm-hmm. so I would have if I was writing it I would have preferred George Harrison because George Harrison was more peaceful. George Harrison was more enlightened. George Harrison was more, you know, love everybody around you as mm-hmm. opposed of John Lennon, who was kind of a, uh, an oxymoron talked about peace and like this working man, but he lived like in like Manhattan in a penthouse mm-hmm. worth millions of dollars and shit like that which is kind of like and he was kind of like what a womanizer and yeah like he like left i from what i understand he left his wife for yoko ono i believe mm. um and then she in i mean there's stories i've heard and read that yoko ono is the is was the actual breaking point of the beatles there was already tension between the group but like she was it yeah um i know i'm gonna i'm sounding like mark david chapman the guy who shot john lennon who was saying he's like an oxymoron but i mean it was kind of it's kind of the same thing but i understand why they had him but it still irritates the fuck because it was a, it was a fucking cheap shot yeah like why you had john lennon i would i would even prefer like paul mccarthy yeah I'm like okay i can do it or yeah. i mean like ringo Starr's still alive yeah but no he's a piece of shit <laughs> no he's a piece of shit i just heard i heard he's just not actually a good drummer so yeah and i was always just like man fuck this movie I, and, I, and I really wanted to like it. I did, too. I liked the music. 
That was actually good. That hit that dude's version of the the Beatles songs was actually good. My issue was I don't I think there were bigger hits that he didn't cover. Yeah, it seemed like it well it seemed like he did the most familiar songs, the ones you hear a lot. Strawberry Fields, uh Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts, um Eleanor Rigby, stuff like that. So he picks the ones that people are really familiar with. But like they, he never it, it irritates me because if he's such a if he does love the Beatles he should understand what those songs meant mm-hmm. what they mean and he was just like oh yeah they would ask him like where did you get the inspiration for this song or what does what does Hey Jude mean or Hey <laughs> sorry Hey Dude yeah I call it Hey Dude and he went yeah. with it too he was I like, just yeah. rolled my eyes <laughs> yeah fuck you Ed Sheeran Ben whatever your name is Ed Sheeran whatever. <laughs> He's probably listening to this. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't care. Fucking fight me. Fuck that. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one performance. I fucking hate the guy. <laughs> um, he uh, he didn't understand what almost any of the songs were about. So it's like, so if you're a, a musician and that's one of your most inspiring bands that mm. you obviously know most of their songs. From memory, why don't you know what the history of the songs or what they're about? But you know to go to Penny Lane, like you know that's the place that exists. Exactly. And you know, you know about Strawberry Fields, and you know about you know Eleanor Rigby. And Eleanor so. Rigby, but you don't understand what Hey Jude is about. Yeah, and even like some of the stuff, even the some of the songs they played, even I got I understand what those songs meant or what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. And that's just passing knowledge. That's just like, oh, I just read up on that or heard a conversation or or dissection of it. I'm sure this musician would have heard a a discussion of one of these Beatles songs, what they meant. He tries to explain the meaning of Hey Jude. And he kind of like, you can tell he really tries to explain it. But it's just like, come on, dude. It didn't even seem like he really tried. He's like, oh, it's about my friend's son. Yeah, who's going through a rough time. Okay. Cool. Cool, that's it. The very enlightening. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so... Uh, so, uh, what's the consensus on this one? <sighs> I didn't really like it. I would have much rather preferred watching... Um, probably watching Across the Universe, which came out, like, well over 10 years ago, which is, like, a Beatles musical. Mm. At least that was a fun watch. This is just, like... I, I, would, I would have rather probably just listened to the soundtrack. That's it. <laughs> and that irritates me because it's Danny Boyle and I fucking love that dude's work. I'm like, dude, what the fuck's going on with you now? Yeah, it was like he tried too hard or something. Like, he was not... I don't know. Yeah. And also, I, I have to point this out. Danny Boyle was set to direct James, the, next, the latest James Bond film, which I was stoked on. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. He got us some creative differences and then he decided to go do this movie instead. You got a sense that he really just kind of jumped into this project without even like a proper, without proper preparation for it, without to do it a very a coherent story. So it's just like something like James Bond was his world, and then he didn't have the time to really prep for yesterday. Prep for, yeah. prep for yesterday, yeah. So yeah, what did you what, what did you think, Kelsey? I'm already forgetting it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no. Nope. And I forget about everything. Every film, but not usually the day after I've seen it. Yeah. So, um, if you want to waste your bucks, go ahead and see it. If not, go watch Avengers Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, With that, you know, 
British movie, British colleague. You know, we're going to do our Simon Says. Woo! Simon sets the pace. You follow right along. Light the lights that Simon lights, or he'll tell you that you're wrong. Simon's a computer. Simon has a brain. You either do what Simon says, or else go down the drain. All right. This is the message that he emailed us this week. Our friend Simon Gruber. (laughs) He said, well, it's another busy working week over here at Screen Geeks London headquarters in between disciplining staff for unauthorized bouts of nakedness during the killer heat wave we're experiencing. And um, exactly (laughs) how are you disciplining these naked people? I want to know. Spanks, maybe? And watching the press try and figure out once and for all if they really do or don't like the new Duchess of Sussex, which is Meghan Markle. Oh, okay. Um, I've also been puzzling over aspects of American slang and that really don't translate across to this side of the pond. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm experiencing something of a currency conundrum. It seems the humble dime plays a big part in American culture. So riddle me this. My colonial cousins, what's the difference between something being nickel and a dime, which I think is just nickel and dime, Mm -hmm. and something being five and dime? And also, what's the difference between said five and dime shop and the thrift shop that young Macklemore is so fond of? Anyway, can chat. The mugs in the staff kitchen look like they could do with a good old bleach. (laughs) Okay, I got to ask you this. What's that Macklemore reference? I don't get that. Macklemore? Yeah. I, I know who Macklemore is, but he says the thrift store that young Macklemore is so fond of. Um, he did a really popular song a few years ago. In a thrift store? It's called Thrift Shop. <laughs> oh, my God. That's how much... It's a wild fucking song. Really? That's yes. how much I'm not into what's going on with yeah, kids. Yeah, after this, music. I'm going to force you to listen to it. Oh, God. And then, you know, you're probably going to hate me, but I I overplayed the fuck out of that song. Okay. All right. All right, so nickel, so you wrote, so yeah, Simon, you wrote nickel and a dime, but yes, nickel and dime. Okay. Um, when nickel and dime is pretty much like, don't rip me off, or don't. No, it's like when they're tacking on me. all these little fees oh, yeah, to get yeah. more nickels and dimes out of you, but of course it adds up. So yeah, yeah. so nickel and dime is like you're nickel and you're nickeling and diming me to death. Like, yeah, like you know, you get you get some roof work done and they're like oh this is the price of your roof work but we gotta add supplies labor uh inspection breaks like to start adding all these like these little tiny little snippets and then you're like wow what was five hundred dollars is now like a thousand yeah exactly yeah so that's nickel and dime that has absolutely nothing to do with the five and dime Five and Dime, I don't even, what, what is Five and five I and never dime? actually really knew what Five and Dime was because no one says that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I looked it up, a Five and Dime is actually a thrift shop. Oh. It is a, a it's no, 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 general, wait, wait, wait. It's wait, a wait, general wait. store. So I got that wrong. Okay. Five and Dime is like, um, like we have a 99 cent store now. Yeah. So Five and Dime is like where you could go to get really cheap stuff. And I don't know if, if, if they had a Woolworths over there, mm-hmm. but Woolworths was really a popular store that doesn't exist anymore over here. Where you, it was basically like a Walmart, but like of that time. Okay, and you could get really cheap stuff there. Um, and then yeah, it's essentially like what's over here was just like a big lots. Before then, it was like a pick and save. And it's, I don't even know what a pick and save is. There was big lots, and there was pick and save. Pretty much, yeah, inexpensive stuff. 
Um, yeah, so like we have 99 cent store now. Yeah, or like or the, Dollar the, the, Tree. the Dollar Tree, exactly. So yeah, it's just like, I, I remember before there was the 99 cent store brand, you literally called any cheap shop a 99 cent store. Oh, okay. Like when I, growing up in LA, I remember people going like, or my friends saying like, oh, I'm going to 99 cent store. Oh, so you're going to a cheap shop around the corner. Yeah, okay. It. Um, and then you said, let's see, what's the difference between said five and dime shop and the thrift shop? So of course the five and dime is, you know, like a place where you could get anything cheap. Yeah. Like, and a thrift shop is things that are used that people are reselling. So you could buy like vintage things there or like used furniture yeah, or vintage clothes, old TVs and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, if I would like inexpensive, which is like, uh, I'm going to go get Clorox bleach from the five and dime, but it's not Clorox bleach. It's like Dorox bleach or some shit yeah. like that. <laughs> some like cheap ass version of like, not tied, but like bind or bide or some shit like that. There, no lie, is like the best degreaser ever at the 99 cent store. Some of the shit's good. I don't remember what it's called, but it works great. Yo, there was like, I told Kelsey this story a couple of times, but like when I was growing up, you know, I was victim of like horrible acne. I tried all the big products. So you put that degreaser on your face? Yeah, I put the degreaser on my <laughs> face. Dried my skin right up. Uh, no, what's that one product? Proactive or whatever? Yeah. I remember when Proactive, because I, I don't know who does Proactive now, like what celebrity they, they got. Mm-hmm. But I remember back then, I remember seeing Jessica Simpson on it. Oh, yeah. And like some some young, I think like one of the Backstreet Boys was on it. Maybe one of somebody from NSYNC. I bought that. That didn't work. So what happened was my mom went to, to the 99 cent store, found what's called sulfur soap, cured my acne in like two weeks. Wow. Beautiful stuff. So sometimes you can find some, some good ass shit there. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I'm an advocate for the 99 cent store. You know, I'm cheap. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of person I am. So yeah, Simon Gruber, I hope that uh, answers your questions. Uh, yeah, I hope that satisfied your your quandary your quandary <laughs> your quandary of the dimes and the nickels and the thrifts and stuff <laughs> and the macamores yeah which you know every time i hear his name i think of mackerel mackerel what's a mackerel oh it's a fish right yeah okay yeah i got something cool so now with all of that old five and dime lingo that i didn't barely even know what it was and i had to look it up mm. um we're going to go right into our geriatric cinematic. And uh, this week, to go against our um, yesterday, we chose um, something that was like an artist mm. kind of coming up from nothing and struggling and all that. So we did Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you like it or not. Ow! Hedwig! Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Try and turn me down. How did some slip of a girly boy become the internationally ignored song stylist barely standing before you? Damn, I can't believe you're not a girl. Looks like we got some sugar daddies in the house. You could give me a cavity, honey. All right. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That uh, came out in 2001. Directed by John Cameron Mitchell. Written by John Cameron Mitchell, uh, based off the book from John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask. 
Um, and the synopsis is a transgender punk rock girl from East Berlin tours the U.S. with her band as she tells her life story and follows the former lover slash bandmate who stole her songs. Um, it stars John Cameron Mitchell, <laughs> who plays Hedwig, and Michael Pitt, who plays Tommy Gnosis. Tommy Gnosis. Um, yeah, and there's a few other people that are in the movie that aren't really the focus of the movie, but, you know, there's more than just two people in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so a little bit of history with this movie. Um, I came across this movie maybe about 2004, I think. Um, a girl I was dating has showed me this movie. And I'm not really a big fan of musicals. If, if I do watch a musical, it's because I really heard how great it is. And even then, it's not that great. Um, Except La La Land, you love that one. Which one? La La Land was great. Oh, that music was so good, <laughs> but it's problematic as fuck. But it's so good anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she was like, "Hey, you should definitely check out this movie." And this is the time I was just like, "Yeah, I'm up for anything." And I watched it. It was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Um, so I decided to share that with Kelsey. Mm. Kelsey, what did you think of this gem? <laughs> Uh, I just, I just put something together. Hedwig wears a lot of Hedwigs. <laughs> Classic. I hate her wigs. <laughs> her mouth is kind of irritating. I have a thing about mouths. Uh, uh, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it, honestly. Like, I have a lot to say that I don't like about it. Mm. I can't really tell you what exactly i like about it but i do have like this weird underdog like um feeling about it where i don't know they're trying to be a little mystical and a little um whimsical and stuff yeah like whimsical that. about their story mm -hmm. and also um i like when when someone has uh, a story to tell and you can't really tell if it's real or it's not real yeah, they they put she puts um Hedwig puts like a nice uh sheet of confusion and an illusion with her storytelling. Right. Um like one part in the movie which is kind of funny was like how he was found by his uh boy or his husband uh, before they got married mm -hmm. and it was very like oh, I followed the the candies to to where he was at and it was like and he was wearing like he covered his private area with like candies and made it look like underwear. Yeah, like, but it was just like it was like almost like uh, Hansel and Gretel following the breadcrumbs or the food to the to the sugar house. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like that, but it wasn't it wasn't through a forest. It was through like uh, buildings that had been like crumbled and stuff like that. Oh yeah, kinda from funny. like bombing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like like this. Some of the story takes place while the Berlin Wall is still up. Yeah. So like they don't. He doesn't really know of the outside world too much. Right. Um. Yeah. Because he was in uh, West Germany. Yeah. West Germany. Yeah. Which was more, I think, fascist. Uh, is it West Germany? Huh. East Berlin. He Berlin. E East Sorry. Berlin. There Berlin. You go. Yeah. East Berlin. Um. Communism. That's what it was. Huh? Because you said fascist. It was communism. Oh, I thought that was the same thing. <laughs> 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 Everyone talks about it like it's the same thing. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, yes. Everybody's like, it's the same thing, America. <laughs> you know, like liberals and uh, Democrats. Everyone thinks that's the same thing. Oh, god. If you're not one. Yeah, right. Um, 
The other thing that I, I wasn't like too keen on mm. is like, I honestly don't know exactly what the message is because like, from what I understand, and like, I don't have any transgender friends, um, not really in the LGBTQ community, though mm. I fully support anything. Like, I just don't, I don't have a whole working knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, and the only thing he really managed to do that stuck out for me throughout the whole film until the very end was kind of hit home this idea that Hedwig was kind of a dick (laughs) and thinking only about himself the whole time Mm. and like clearly had people who cared about him and was abusive to people and different things. And it's like, okay, so are you trying to tell me that, you know, transgender people are fucking assholes or like, because I know that's not true. No, I think I think it was because Hedwig was so um, so angry at being betrayed by um, her former lover, who's Michael Pitt. I think, and she was Hedwig just didn't care who she hurt along the way. Like Hedwig, Hedwig's husband, who was played by Miriam Shore. I can't even pronounce her character's name. Like her husband loved Hedwig. But Hedwig just like stomped all over him, mm. which was like pretty fucked up. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I liked the storytelling. Like she jumps off of a table or something and is just flying and watching a food fight and yeah. you know <laughs> someone randomly chopping up lobsters for no reason. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she just like flies into like the next flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That's interesting to me, but it, it's just um, for. So I have two ideas. I think this is maybe why I don't know whether I should like it or not. Mm-hmm. But there's like this whole idea that transgender women, I guess, are kind of held to the same standards that, or even a higher standard mm-hmm. that naturally born females would be. Okay. Where if they don't look feminine enough, then they're not female. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like the the reason the reason why it's called Hedwig and the Angry Inch is that before Hedwig was gonna marry this guy, this military guy, um, he had to prove that he was a woman. So he had a procedure down, procedure done where she would he would be transgendered and or tra- uh, what's it called transitioned to a woman. But the operation was a botch, and she ended up getting like a one inch dick. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's called angry inch. And they kind of like, they play with that about the angry inch, about how like she, she, she cut away something for something, but it wasn't worth it. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I don't under, what I, I guess I kind of understand it now, mm. but at the time I was, when I watched it, I was kind of like, okay, so this person, I don't, I can't relate. I, I guess I couldn't really relate to the character. Mm. Um, then I, when I really think about it though, I understand because this, this person actually isn't really tra- transgender. Yeah. So if you really think about it, and this is why I like the movie. Okay. When you really think about it, it was a man mm-hmm. or like a, a young, young adult male. Yeah. 
who fell in love with this American military person mm-hmm. in Germany as a male. Okay. And he transitioned because th- that is what this male that he fell in love with wanted him to be. Yeah. He was more feminine, like more of a feminine male. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, oh, I thought you were a girl. And then, of course, he got to play out his fantasy with Hedwig because he got him to transition to take him. That's the only way he would be able to marry and get out of Germany Yeah, was to have that operation. So now he's playing out with this identity crisis type role where he's actually trying to live as a female when he's not. His identity is more fluid than that. And he's. He only did that for another person, really. Oh, okay. I didn't even see it like that, but I, 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 I totally see it now. But like, I was like, wow, that, that's very. And I think that's a very good insight. I think he was such a dick <laughs> the whole time uh. with his angry inch that I, I kind of lost. I didn't understand that, but it makes sense now why he was so angry and so rude to people until the very end, where he was like nice all of a sudden. Yeah, because he, you know, he was wearing the wigs, and the person that was part of his band. Mm. Then I was like, man, he really has like this really feminine voice, and you're like, that's because it is a woman. And I'm like, I honestly don't see that at all. <laughs> like, um, but it kind of looked like uh, what? Who did I say? Uh, from oh, Jared Leto. Yeah, you say it kind of looked like Jared Leto. Yeah, and I was like, you talking about that woman? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he he passed off his wig to him Hedwig passed off his wig to him because yeah, that whole time he really wanted to like wear the wig that wig I think I think that I think that hus- that husband I think the husband actually just wanted to become a woman again because when the wig when when he put on that wig it was the girl this time like it, it was the actress it wasn't the beard and the long hair it was an actual woman just yeah. with the wig now yeah so maybe that's maybe that was a little bit of meaning behind that scene they're in their relationship i don't think so i think it was that the whole time like there's this weird scene and that i really think that the film could have done without when they're in the motel room and like they have this weird scene before that where they're talking and uh that bandmate kisses hedwig mm-hmm. and it was like unexpected so you think they've never had a relationship and then all of a sudden they're in bed together and hedwig is like like, you could tell they sleep together, like, they're together, mm-hmm. but, like, Hedwig just humps him while he's trying to sleep, like, yeah. and it's very, like, abusive and rapey. It's not, uh, I don't get a good feeling from it at all. Okay. Um, Do you think maybe it also could have been a relationship out of convenience? I think that the bandmate had so much love and respect for this person that you know for Hedwig that Hedwig could have done anything to him and he would have been okay with it as mm. long as he he just wanted to be seen as his as Hedwig's equal yeah, really like, yeah that, that probably was so yeah, I don't really view that. him as wanting to have transitioned back to being a woman I just think that he wanted to take on that persona ah, with Hedwig and gotcha. be like do this with Hedwig yeah and Hedwig always wanted the limelight as number one yeah okay yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. So I, like that, so I think now the reason why if you, you know, 
the why the reason why I'm warring with liking and not liking this one is mm. that um, Hedwig and his story is I has a lot of layers. Yeah, than yeah just, well, absolutely. Than just you know the physical appearance of being a transgender person. Yeah, like a person trying to get. Um, trying to get back at the at the guy that like stole her songs yeah was, uh, which we haven't touched up on yet yeah but the her lover is michael pitt and because of hedwig michael pitt becomes be, becomes this um like really good or really great like teen pop singer whatever it's not even pop it, it's like that emo yeah music that everyone loved like you know yeah and like how hedwig is like doing this tour on site or by or was by side on site uh, next to um, Michael Pitt's characters uh, Tommy Tommy Gnosis, right yeah um, because she's like that's like her type of revenge like I'm playing these songs next to your your tour because I'm the true artist and then she Hedwig gets his gets her revenge but it gets a bit confusing because there's this moment where like Hedwig kind of like loses it mm-hmm. strips off the wig takes off the clothes and it's you see it's now a guy mm-hmm. just a guy now and like that guy confronts um there's a scene where like hedwig confronts uh, michael pitt's character after michael pitt singing to like a michael pitt singing to a now empty stadium or empty crowd um empty venue there you go mm-hmm. while hedwig had like this booming venue because now she's recognized for this musical genius and there's this like singing back and forth between the two and then Hedwig now becomes Michael Pitt's character, becomes Tommy Gnosis. Oh, yeah. Which I was kind of like, okay, so I, 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 I took it as she is now the persona of Tommy Gnosis. And, like, she got what she want. But maybe that's not what she wanted after all. That's how I was taking that, that ending. I, I, I kind of took that as that as well. But the thing is... She met Tommy Gnosis and kind of thought, and we keep going back and forth with he and she because she, yeah. we don't really know what to call Hedwig. She. Honestly, it's yeah, yeah, she, but you also call him he. Well, yeah. So now I do it because also <laughs> I don't think he really wanted to be a she after all. Mm. Um, so, and you know, I don't have any LGBTQ people to <laughs> ask them the proper. The proper the pronoun. proper yeah pronoun um yeah in the for movie, this person but yeah in the movie Hedwig is becoming known as she but like like I said when she rips off the wig it's no longer she it's now just he because she seems to not have that Hedwig angry inch persona it seems like it seems like I don't know like and then it, it, like after after Hedwig does the whole becomes the whole Tommy Gnosis persona he like walks out but he's like fully nude and he walks onto the street which I kind of I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. When, because he was like walking from the alleys, from like the darkened alleys into the light, but even from the darkened alleys into the light, it's still like a street. Yeah. So it was like she went from like secret to like not secret. Yeah, like okay, this is me as I am now. Yeah. Um. But for as far as Tommy Gnosis is concerned, and her taking that persona on, mm-hmm. um, I think what happened was she has a history of falling in love with someone someone and giving them all of her yes that's true she did that for the um she did that for the 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 soldier the soldier and she did it for tommy gnosis you're absolutely right so he 
so Hedwig gave basically her penis an identity mm. for the soldier. And then, you know, she's with Tommy Gnosis and she gave him his persona, which really Was Hedwig could have used. Yeah, all like her musical knowledge and right. her gift as like a musical, as a songwriter. Now Tommy Gnosis is running away with it. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, when it comes to the end of that and Tommy Gnosis kind of realized and they even sings about it, how much he really took from Hedwig yeah, yeah. and how, how much he really hurt Hedwig. Mm. Um, the, there's an understanding there and he, he comes out with it. So that's why he's, you know, with that empty venue. Mm. Um, and he kind of gives that persona yeah. back to Hedwig. And so that's why Hedwig loses the, the yeah. transgender look and becomes goes back to being uh kind of you know a male yeah um and then is like okay you can have this persona that you wanted mm. to that band meet that he's been shitting on the whole time yeah so i mean this is a musical so we gotta talk about the music <sighs> what is- <laughs> okay what is the key what is the word you use to describe the music in this movie cringy <laughs> <laughs> I don't think some of it was cringy. Like the first song was pretty cringy, but but I did like um, the song that we have for our intro, which that, is from the movie. I think that's the only one I could get behind because yeah. it sounds like something maybe David Bowie would sing. Yes, absolutely. And Hedwig, one of Hedwig's inspiration is David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm okay with that one. Like you, like all right. We right before the show, Mark wanted to talk shop and wanted to like ask me what music we wanted to use, and he has this apparently a thing against the intro that we chose before we even started oh the show my because God. it's you know Throw me underneath the table, it's, cool you know, underneath the bus, thanks royalty free or whatever you know, and this establishes a little bit of creativity to give people an idea of what, we're, no, what they're gonna be talking about. No, uh, I don't think every show demands you know that because not every show has uh, well-known music. Me, every movie, movie, yes, sorry. Well, I mean, and so. With this one, I hated almost every single song. <laughs> um, and so you're like, I want to use music from the movie. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I like, I like, the song is called Wig in a Box. I like that song. I thought that song was good. Well, you that's the one you chose. And you're like, you gave me the link from YouTube. And I listened to it. I'm like, all right. Uh, I'm okay with that one. That's the only one that I remember liking even a little bit. Mm. Um, so, and even when we were watching the film, I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like, you know, a legitimate song. The other ones just sounded like something someone would sing in a really sad, like maybe old dive bar (laughs) that has patrons no younger than like 61 years old in it or something. Which is the, a lot of the places that Hedwig ended up in. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and I, you know, if nobody else wants to listen to that music, I sure as hell don't. Ah, uh, okay. Like, there's one song called Origin of Love that I also kind of dug. That, that was the animation one where um, Hewitt sings about where love comes from, where love comes from and our need to find our significant, our, the, our, our need to find our significant other because they are another part of us. 
Mm-hmm. You didn't like that song? No. It oh. made me think of Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin made, did that better. I have no idea who that is. Harry Chapin? He did um, Cat in the Cradle. Oh, Cat in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. Yeah. Okay, sorry. He did this one song, I think. I don't know if it was just him or if he did it with his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a concert that he did that was taped um, just before he died in a car crash. The fuck, okay. <laughs> like, it was his last concert and he died on his way home. Like, I think I think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically about, like, Mother Earth or whatever. And they, like, animated part of it for the, for the concert and everything. And, like, I love that music. Mm-hmm. And this one's, like... No. Like, I love the story behind it, but... I mean, and the animation was cool, too, but the song itself was not inspiring, like, uh, this idea that they were trying to say. create. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I, 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 like I said, some of them was cringeworthy. There's that one, that Angry Inch. Um, that's the, like, the punk rock song that she was singing. I actually kind of like that one. Oh, you like that one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm I'm liking like the cool, chill, very creative music. You're just like I like the angry, the angry songs. Well, the cool, chill, creative music is like some person that's 61 years old wrote it that didn't have talent when they were 20 and sure as hell don't when they're 61. <laughs> that's messed up. You're like shitting on the the songwriter Stephen Trask. You're just like crapping all over. He doesn't it. write good music. Well, <laughs> if he did ever write a good song. Uh, He'd probably be a one-hit wonder. Now, would you now would you appreciate the songs if Neil Patrick Harris sang them? No. <laughs> Damn. I just think the songs are bad. Okay. I think they date the. Okay. Uh. The idea of the film is great, and I I didn't hate watching it, mm-hmm. but. Part of the issue with it is that you can tell it was made in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. That but camera style is 2000 as fuck. The music did not help. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't normally listen to that kind of music. Uh, like, if I want to listen to old ass music, like, I don't know. I wouldn't choose that one. Okay. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. It's like. I hate that music. Damn, you can't even, you, you hate it so much you can't even like quantify it in fucking words. No, I I can't. <laughs> it's like um when you're 12 years old and you're listening to music that you like all the time and then you get stuck in the car with a relative for 2 hours mm-hmm. that only listens to the twangiest fucking country music you ever heard oh, in your wow. life that you've never heard and you don't understand why they like it. It's like that. Okay. So you you don't understand why I like some of the songs? Yes. Okay. There's a song that it's funny how you say the twangiest country song. There's one song that Hedwood sings that's very country like. I actually kinda like that song there too. Mm. I think it's called like Car Wash or something like that. Yeah. I think it's the name of the song. Um so <laughs> what I want to do is I'm I actually want to do something a little bit different. We normally don't do this, but I'm going to ask Kelsey which one she liked more. Actually, we did this for Aladdin, but that was for remake reasons. But I want to ask Kelsey, which one did she like more? Did she like Hedwig more or did she like Yesterday more? I actually like Hedwig more. Oh, shit. Well, here's the thing. Uh, um, um, And then the wigs, which I absolutely fucking hate. <laughs> um, 
And my eyes rolled back when I said that. <laughs> um, that that story hit its mark mm. in more ways than you can even understand unless you sit sit there and really like you said. Oh, I didn't even under- realize that when I was yeah, telling you. Yeah, you pointed something out to me. Yeah, completely. Yesterday, missed every single fucking <laughs> damn. It had good music and a good love story that. It didn't even sell itself as having. Yeah, that's that's. And true. the love story wasn't executed properly. So that's absolutely true. So I honestly like, yeah, it's a more modern film. Has good music, whatever. But Hedwig um, had a real, a real message and a real story, like, to tell. And I think it executed it way better. Gotcha. I um I actually thought it was kind of funny that um when we were deciding what movie we were gonna come across or do for a geriatric cinematic um that kelsey had picked because i gave her like a a list and she was like oh let's watch hedwig coincidentally hedwig just i think is very recent just got it put into the criterion collection (laughs) so like i was just like wow we just happened to pick a film that is now seen as like a prestige film yeah which is funny i mean in which i can see why yeah like it's very it. I don't know. I don't know anything about the Criterion Collection. Mm. So I'm going to ask you, is it true or false that a, a lot of things go into the Criterion Collection that a vast majority of moviegoers, like the general public, would not understand? That is true. Um, the Criterion Collection does have a lot of films that like people like myself, like cinephiles, would really appreciate and then want to really watch it for this artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, they do this thing where... Uh, really good artistic directors go into what's called the criterion closet where they go to the criterion uh channel or criterion collection uh business and they have like this huge closet of like all their films so the directors or writers will just look and be like oh this is a great film and they'll talk about why this film is great Mm. um their streaming service used to be great when they were part of uh I forgot what was the streaming service. Now, now the Criterion Channel has their own streaming service, but they were part of something else. I think Filmstruck. There you go. Where creators and like influential directors will talk about the films that influence them. Mm-hmm. And and this one is Hedwig and Your Inch, which was like this little indie film that didn't make its money back, is in the part of the Criterion Collection. Yeah. So, and not every movie is for everybody in 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 that collection. Okay. You know. So I honestly don't think it's for the main general public. No, it's a very artistic film. Yeah. And just the layers of the identity and sexuality mm. and, uh, you know, someone trying to make their way in music and, yeah. you know. Trying to come up and find their identity and all that kind of stuff. I really like that. And I think that it... it it could um, inspire a lot of conversation between people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, who really want to talk about things like that in, in film. Yes. So that's why I like it. Awesome. I think I finally decided I like it. <laughs> yeah, we only need to talk about it for like, you know, an hour or so. <laughs> then we got it. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Um, want to go into some trivia? Uh yeah, there's actually not a whole lot of trivia of, uh, about this movie, but um, Hey, Wick on the Anger Inch did start off as an off an off Broadway uh musical. Um, the creator John Karen John Cameron Mitchell. The funny thing is, 
rent is kind of like they really have rent the play that's how dated this shit is they show rent like advertising for the play known as rent around the movie mm-hmm. john cameron mitchell was offered a role in that in that stage play that was big at the time but he was like no nah, i'm gonna do i'm gonna do my own thing and that's why he created hedwig um what else like i said it's not a whole lot of trivia about it but uh well i think that's funny because it says uh i guess that that band member that loved Hedwig. Uh-huh. Um, his name was Yitzhak. Yitzhak. There you go. Um, so he is seen wearing a Rent sweatshirt mm. and later decides to audition for the role of Angel in Rent. Um, but in real life, John Cameron Mitchell was originally offered the role of Angel but had to turn it down as he was doing Hedwig. So yeah. I think that's funny, like a funny parallel. Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He probably like did that at the last minute. Like, let me add that in there. That's funny. Right. Because um, he got the role. So that character gets the role and then Hedwig tears up his passport so he can't travel. Yeah, that was a fucked up scene. It was. It was yeah. uh, the point where I decided I hated him. <laughs> her. I hated her. Her him. <laughs> Because, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what else? Hedwig's cape in the title sequence mimics the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, complete with Hinkies Go Home graffiti on Hedwig, Hedwig's right side and With Me on Hedwig's left side. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that the, the cape is the Berlin Wall? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There, so, there's one thing, though, because... He had tattoo like a tattoo on his hip or something or his yeah like, on his hip that was um like two face that were split apart and I feel like it wasn't there when we saw him naked later oh it was there it okay. was just combined now it was like ah so the tattoo on his on his hip was two faces that were split apart but there's a match but they were far apart mm-hmm. but later when Hedwig decides who Hedwig is finally going to be, the tattoo is now one single face, like, combined. So maybe that's Hedwig kind of finding his finding his or her identity. Oh, okay. That's what I, that's what how I took it. Got it. Um, and I guess that's uh, going to be our episode for, for the week. Yes, our episode for the week. Uh, and, um, I, you know what? Euphoria is one thing that I really oh, want to talk Oh, my God. No, listen, talk- listen, okay. listen. Euphoria is something I really wanted our audience to talk to me about personally. Mm, they like, email you? Um, but honestly, if anyone wanted to talk about Hedwig, like if you've seen it, I am totally down to talk about that. Awesome. You want to give the email where they can contact us? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can email us at the real appeal. That's R-E-E-L appeal at gmail.com. Um, so you can email us there or... Um, you can also find us on Facebook um, at Real Appeal. Real Appeal, yeah. And, and then we have we have a Twitter, we have an Instagram. You know, you'll see that up in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, how you can contact us. Um, we actually want to announce. We actually know what movies we're gonna do next uh, for the next episode. I know every time we we're like, well, we don't know which movie yet. Yeah. We actually know. Mm-hmm. We actually know. As you guys know, Spider Man Far from Home Far from Home is coming out. Mm-hmm. The second Spider-Man film uh, featuring Tom Holland as Peter Parker. So, for our Jerry Edge Cinematic, we're going to do Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi film. Raimi film. Mm-hmm. I really want to go back and watch this movie because I remember I loved this movie growing up. 
people today still say it's the best Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know now. After like rethinking about it, I kind of really want to see if it really is. Is it? Do you like Tom Holland that much, or or do you just think he's not that great of a Spider-Man, but he fits the who Tom Holland? Mm-hmm. I think Tom Holland's a good Spider-Man. Oh, okay, good. You, oh, you talking about the you talking about the Spider-Man from Spider-Man Two? No, I was talking about Tom Holland. Like oh, he's I was good. wondering if you think that he's better now than. Um, out of the three Spider-Mans that we've had in the past, what, 15 years or something, mm-hmm. I would have to say Tom Holland is the best embodiment of a teenage Peter Parker. Like the, com- I think true to the, um, like recent comics, I would say. I don't know anything about the recent comics, but mm. I think he's true to the cartoon that I grew up watching. You talking about the, the 90s cartoon? I think so. Cause he was kind of like goofy and. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. And don't, and tell me go, I, well. I'll, I'll say it for later. I'll, I'll give my opinion of like <laughs> Spider-Mans and which one they mean and stuff like that. But yeah, we're going to do Spider-Man Far From Home and then our geriatric cinematic will be Sam Remy's uh, Spider-Man 2 and see if it holds up. Oh, I can't wait to watch that movie with you. Yeah. I, I don't remember <laughs> which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't. So. I, uh, I think you told me you saw part three. <laughs> right. But I'm like, did I see part three? I, I don't remember, you know, a black suit in that one. So I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Is James Franco in one of them? He's in all three of uh, the Sam Raimi ones. Okay. <laughs> so you still don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> but I'm surprised I pulled James Franco out of my ass, though, because, like, I don't recognize anybody or their names. And I'm like, man, I think that's James Franco. Uh <laughs> so yeah we'll um we'll delve into that one uh next week and um you know let us know what you think about the show yes email us contact us social media uh join in on us no. join in on us join in on us that's weird <laughs> anyway, i'm gonna shut up now kelsey sign us off all right uh bye bye